Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the Fake Teams Podcast channel. I am your humble host and full supporter of the New England Patriots Tank for Trevor Movement, Pete Rogers. And I am joined by all of the guys. We have resident old man and the duck father, Clark Barnes, the working girl and keeper of keys and grounds at Buccaneer Bandwagon, Jordan Smith, and ginger clean shaven man and political wildcard, Nick Butterford. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing great, Pete. I am doing very good. We will jump into obviously some NFL drafts and winners, uh, winners and losers, excuse me. Uh, Before we do though, we have a little bit of news that we'll cover, but I want to just quickly, Jordan, I just want to give you the floor for a hot second because I don't know if you were planning on touching on this, but I feel like I know Becca had a lot of emotion that she needed to vent on, on our post draft recap. I feel like I want to give you the time as a Packers fan who saw Aaron Rodgers' replacement and basically the the yellow brick road set up for Aaron Rodgers to be traded to the Patriots uh, so that the, they can go on and win a Super Bowl while you are stuck watching Jordan Love trying to you know rekindle what was once there with Aaron Rodgers. How do you feel about that? I love how it's like there's a narrative of Aaron Rodgers needs weapons and then the go-to move is to trade him to the Patriots in which there are – Nikhil Harry is a goddamn saint. Don't you tell me otherwise. We don't know it yet, but I'm sure he's he's great. Um, I don't know. Tell tell Becca not to worry too much. Uh, I was I was just confused. I was like quizzical during the draft process. I didn't really know what they wanted to do. Um, but you know, you you go out afterwards. You try to gain as much information as possible. Do a little research and. Uh, try to make sense of it all. And it's so much easier to be optimistic about your team than to be like consistently upset, like some other really rough franchises. So um, yeah, I'm just, it's April 27th. Nobody's team is set right now. Nobody has uh, a complete roster at this moment. And we don't even know what's going to happen with, the beginning of this off season here. So um, yeah, I think that people's teams and all that, nobody really knows until we actually get people on the football field. So it's a bummer to see that Brian Gutekunst has already gotten to you, Jordan. I wish we had recorded before you were bribed to, uh, to take his side. Yeah. The subtext is really no one knows when Aaron Rodgers will be traded to New England. Right. But it's coming. We know it's coming. We just don't know when. Hey, you know what? I don't know if the Patriots have the draft capital to be able to get them back. It's true. Aaron Rodgers may take the uh, Antonio Brown uh, route 
to try to force this trade, and that's something that I would love to see out of. We'll give Aaron you. Rogers. We'll give you Julian Edelman, Jordan. That's he's he's basically a better quarterback than Jordan Love already. So you guys are set for the future. <laughs> Nick is loving. Weapons. Nick is loving the amount of shade that is starting this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm uh, not to spoil too much, but I'm gonna. Uh, I, I don't know. Don't let Becca listen to my segment. <laughs> Oh no, she's equally. She was equally furious that uh, that a quarterback was taken uh, with the first round, first round pick, and then they went running back in the second round pick. Which, bye bye Aaron Jones, who is a free agent at the end of this year. Uh, but yeah, obviously we're gonna cover. We're gonna give winners and losers for the draft uh, fa- with a with a, a major fantasy emphasis. Obviously, we are a fantasy football podcast. But before we do that, let's cover a little bit of the news that has gone down uh, since the draft. Obviously, the headline news breaking. James Winston has found a team for 2020. He signed a one-year deal with the uh, New Orleans Saints and will now be Drew Brees' backup to his backup because Taysom Hill is a franchise quarterback who also signed a new deal. Uh, so, well done, Jameis, to land in, uh, in New Orleans. It's crazy that they have three of the best quarterbacks in the league on their roster now. <laughs> It's uh, it, it was interesting. So you guys probably already know this, but uh, reports indicate that he took less money to go to the Saints. Uh, the Steelers offered him more, but he actually turned it down. And really? I have to say that he, like, honestly, I mean, it's it's a decent system for him. But I think that given that both of those players have a long history of mistreating women in their backgrounds, that would make for a ton of terrible That's narratives. Fair. And I, I'm I'm inclined to think that that was a major reason for why he did not opt to go there because I think that the like headlines and jokes and terrible things that would have come out of those two being teammates would have been pretty bad. Cause you, cause I agree with you. The match makes so much more sense as a backup for the Steelers than for a backup to the backup, I guess, technically to the saints because Ben Roethlisberger is more than likely going to get injured again at some point this season. It feels like Jameis would plug in instantly into that offense. Whereas with the saints, I guess he's hoping for the Teddy Bridgewater kind of boost uh, where Drew Brees maybe gets injured again. And despite the fact that Taysom Hill is a franchise quarterback, according to Sean Payton and the next coming of Steve young, uh, that, uh, that Drew, uh, Jameis Winston would get the start over, over Taysom Hill. He just wants to stare at his former team from across the sidelines <laughs> twice a year. Just wants to wave to Tom Brady, who he's honored to be a, been replaced by. I did. I saw something on Twitter, which I think is absolutely incredible, and I'll share it before we move on. Uh, someone w- looked through it. Jameis Winston has more career passes, more career completions to Saints players than Taysom Hill does. That is just, which is a phenomenal stat. I think it's Jameis has thrown 10 interceptions against the Saints and uh, Taysom Hill has seven completed passes in his career. So franchise altering, franchise quarterback, uh, next coming of Joe Montana, Taysom Hill. Never going to live that one down, Sean. Uh, Two trades amongst NFL veterans went down during the draft. Uh, Clark, your boy Matt Breida has escaped the confines of San Francisco where he was constantly being thrust down the depth chart and now enters Miami where there's only Jordan Howard in front of him. And we know Jordan Howard. I mean, nothing can get past Jordan Howard. Yeah. The Dolphins not taking a running back in the draft late is a little surprising, but I guess you could count them getting Brita for what a fifth, I believe something like that uh, relatively late round pick. 
the only thing that's held Brita back has been injury and it has been relatively consistent. So even though I generally have a very permissive uh, injury tolerance, it's I'm excited about Brita just because he's a very good player and because there's a lot of opportunity in Miami. But Brita has, uh, I try not to have this be a part of the analysis, but Brita has personally burned me several times. So <laughs> trying to temper my uh, enthusiasm. I think this is a super cool uh, fit. And it's it's wild how like one single occurrence ends up, all, all of these dominoes end up following. So they, the Dolphins have basically turned in their card for DeAndre Swift. And then that corner that they wanted, they realized he was going to fall. And so they opted, I, they, they traded back a couple picks or something yeah. like that. I don't remember the exact occurrence, but basically they went, oh, wait, no, a more important position is going to be available. They passed on Swift, got their corner, and then ended up floating the fifth for Breda. And it's Matt like, Breda for a fifth is a steal if he's healthy. I think it's incredible. Mind. Yeah, I mean he's he's uh, he's kind of the exception of the rule for like you don't pay veteran running backs. He's on I think his deal is like three million a year, which is that that's fine. Um, yeah, he, he's going to get a chance now. I mean, really, what he's he's got to beat out effectively is like Kalen Balage, Miles Gaskin. I think they got a UDFA. But, like, Howard's not catching any passes. Like, no. British should really be locked in for 12 to 15. And, and it's uh, – they might not be as beautifully designed as the, the Shanahan offense, but I think that, that the Shanahan the group showed us they had a limit to how many touches they were ever going to give him. There's at least some ambiguity, and he's still got the high floor. Yeah. There's a world where he stays healthy for a full season. He surpasses Jordan Howard as that starting running back and becomes, I mean, he's averages five at five yards per carry in his career. And we've seen plenty of flashes and plenty of huge fantasy performances on a single game level from him throughout his career. And if we get a full season of that, he's someone who I'm maybe, maybe he spurned Clark too many times, but he's certainly a fly a running back flyer who I'm willing to take uh, at the back end of drafts, because if he's healthy, I don't see Jordan Howard as too much competition in front of him. And that's a backfield that he could win easily. Yeah. And the fourth, fifth, sixth round is always the, if he's healthy or right. we're taking a shot on this sixth, seventh round rookie. If his ADP stays in check, I'm going to be happy to take that shot on Brita. In the words of Lin-Manuel Miranda, I'm not throwing away my shot and neither will anyone when you draft Matt Brita. Nailed it. That was a delightful analogy. Uh, one more trade went down. The Philadelphia Eagles traded for Marquise Goodwin. Well, another 49ers trade. 49ers just selling pieces off. Uh, Marquise Goodwin goes to the Eagles, adds yet another speed threat to a team that seemingly is now just constructed of speed threats and Alshon Jeffrey. I guess that's great. We'll see if Marquise uh, Goodwin can stay healthy. Uh, he's struggled with injuries and just can't kind of staying on the field recently. He's shown flashes before. I don't really necessarily see him as anything more than uh, like a, uh, a flyer, not even a flyer, but like a kind of a waiver wire ad. I don't think he's necessarily going to come in and be a, a immediate contributor in Philly, but maybe I'm wrong. I, I think that pick was just about hedging their bets. Like Deshaun Jackson, he's obviously phenomenally sure. talented um, as a downfield receiver, but he's really old and, and we saw he basically took a hit and was out for the year last year. They got Rager, Rieger, however you say his name. Rager. Thank you. Uh, they, they, they doubled down <laughs> with Goodwin. And they got um, – I'm trying to think of – they got they took two receivers late, and I think it was the kid from Oregon State is a similarly 
uh, like speedy downfield receiver. Uh, like I, they got I a type. They just went. Yeah, well, they, they. I mean, that's what they. They've had intermediate weapons. They've had uh, short range weapons. They just haven't had anything downfield. So they go out this offseason and, and, and I guess add Goodwin, Rieger, OSU. They have Rego. three more. Thank you. Just three speedy downfield receivers. This is what they've been missing. They're like, we're not taking a chance on one injury. No, like, I mean it's set. it's giving a ton of weapons for uh, for Jalen Hurts to throw the ball to. It's going to be great. Do we need to explain the Eagles' process? Is there, <laughs> they have a, a second quarterback and not a backup and all that? Do we have to go into that? Did you see the reports that it's because they're nervous about Carson Wentz getting COVID? What? Yeah, I saw I saw that that was some or it wasn't specifically Carson Wentz is that NFL teams were like looking to get uh, backup quarterbacks in the draft because they were worried about starting QBs getting COVID. That is, if not, that, that has to be that's fake. Pete sounds like a conspiracy theory. Sounds, sounds legit to me. Pete I has just, a spot on MSNBC after this where he's going <laughs> to I got to quickly go yeah, in and, and plug and plug some COVID stuff. Uh, no, I mean, their, their philosophy is they, they, they have two quarterbacks on the roster. It's not a backup. It's the QB two. Um, and like, I, if, if you're interested in, in more analysis on this, just go scroll through Josh Hermsmeyer's speed. Cause he's like, he's spot on with her. It's, it's always good to draft like a good quarterback. If they're going to pan out, um, they, they can retain high draft value. You know, if, if you're in the right situation, I need the Eagles with a talented roster. Um, anyway, moving on. Well, there's the news. <laughs> that's all definitive we got end. definitive end we nailed it uh all right well let's get into winners and losers uh for the 2020 nfl draft uh why don't we start with you jordan give us a either a winner or a loser you you, you take your pick um i'll just start with the winner um i'm actually going to say something nice about the chicago bears right now um one of their winners is cole Komet. um he is probably the more uh, highly rated tight ends in this draft, even though it wasn't a particularly deep tight end class, but um, he's a fairly athletic tight end out of Notre Dame who can block and pass if they need him to. Um, I mean, obviously they swung big and signed Jimmy Graham to a large guaranteed deal, but uh, the like, more, <laughs> the more traditional uh, all around tight end, spot on the field on their depth chart is still wide open um so i already see him being more valuable in terms of fantasy options than jimmy graham and um you know the tight end position we've been harping on this for like two years now uh beating this dead horse until it is pulpy that there's not a lot of depth for tight ends (laughs) in uh (laughs) not a lot of depth for tight ends as far as fantasy options so you know what? Sometimes you gotta swing big, and Cole Komet might, uh, depending on how his offseason goes and all that stuff, you can see some big things from him. Are you not worried about the uh, Bears currently having ten tight ends on their roster? Yeah. So no. I wanted to <laughs> bring this up too. So we've got literally what are we doing nine here, Chicago? other tight ends that he has to compete with for targets, and tight ends are developing slowly. I, I'm struggling to see Trubisky feeding this guy. Maybe Mitchell Trubisky. Right. Mitchell Trubisky <laughs> is just, just, just like, all right. Well, I got only one guy to throw the ball to. When you said I mean, Trubisky feeding this guy, I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. All right, full, Who are we talking but, about? Oh, okay. They use some. <laughs> they use some high draft capital on 
cold uh, to make sure they brought him in. Uh, they have a bunch of tight ends because they definitely haven't found the right one, especially after the Trey Burton fiasco. Um, you know, but Mitch Trubisky is kind of on a short leash. It's nice for him to have some sort of security blanket, I'm sure. Um, but even if it's not him and it's possibly Nick Foles that ends up taking over, uh, Nick right. Foles That's fair. likes That's passing fair. to his tight ends in Philly. We didn't really see what he could do in Jacksonville, but uh, maybe, he definitely liked having a guy like that in Philadelphia. Yeah. Maybe they're just going to pick a position each year. So last year was kicker. This mm-hmm. year is tight end. And they're just going to get 20 of these guys on the roster and just be huge dicks to all of them <laughs> and see who wins and who gets to play. I just want to hurt people's feelings. Yeah. I, it, the the full yeah Foles is going to be the, the starter there. I just think behind Anthony Miller and Allen Robinson, I, a rookie tight end is tough. That being said, though, I mean Matt Nagy's offense certainly like accentuates the tight end position. I mean we saw Travis Kelsey thrive when he was co- uh, coordinating there, and I know that's partially Andy Reid, but still he's coming from that same kind of offensive structure. So we know tight ends can do things in this offense, and and Jordan's right, they haven't been like look they haven't found the right right one clearly that's what happens when you have nine on your roster and you draft one in the second round uh so there's certainly potential and and he was the consensus best tight end so i think he's someone who because because everyone hates chicago and because no one knows what the hell they're doing he could be a name that gets pushed way down draft boards and he's not someone that you really have to risk anything on uh but could be could find himself in a in a mildly positive situation which is a lot of uh disclaimers but you know when you're drafting anyone on the bears without in the back of your mind telling you this is going to be nick Foles' show oh it's 100 percent nick Foles' show there's i i i would put i would put a beer that that Mitchell Trubisky starts like three games this season. No, that's that's fair. I full, full, I I, uh, I I totally spaced on that. It, it will be folds, but I don't think that that moves the needle. I'm just anyway. We're the, gonna beat this dead horse. Yeah, it's I'm, I'm just surprised the NFL <laughs> showed such restraint to go to wait until the second round to draft a tight end with. Yeah, they should have. They so. should have aggressively traded up for that. Right. You know, yeah, that's classic Bears fashion. Good one. Go Packers. Fuck the Bears. <laughs> Uh, Clark, give us a winner or a loser. Uh, mine's, mine's pretty, pretty broad and pretty simple. So I think the Cowboys are huge winners here uh, on our draft show where I think I missed all of my uh, picks. <clears throat> well, one of the things that I brought up was building on a strength for the uh, Arizona Cardinals taking CD Lamb. So the CD Lamb fell to the Cowboys and that gives them Amari Cooper, CD Lamb, Dak Prescott, and Ezekiel Elliott by still a very good, behind still a good, very offensive line. They're just, they're pretty loaded on offense. And I don't think that Dak is the greatest. I don't think Amari is the greatest. They're all plus players at least. And this just gives them uh, a really good situation with a rookie uh, wide receiver, like we saw a couple of years ago with Calvin Ridley uh, going to Atlanta. Uh, We shouldn't expect uh, CeeDee Lamb to have like 1,400 yards, but for him to have like eight or 900 yards would be huge for both him and the Cowboys offense. The Cowboys are going to be really interesting this year. They're usually pretty interesting, but more so with them kind of doubling down on the strength of their roster here, getting a big time stud to go opposite of Amari Cooper. This is going to be super interesting. Super interesting. Yeah. I I think Dak is certainly a huge winner from a fantasy standpoint. I mean, the guy has more weapons on him than a pro (laughs) gun enthusiast. Nailed it. (laughs) Um, But I, I am, I am not a fan of this landing spot in terms of 
CD Lamb's fantasy value because of the fact that you're obviously he's dealing with Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott already, who, who are going to take the majority of touches. And Michael Gallup had 1,100 yards and seven touchdowns last year. And I, I, I think it's phenomenal from a real football standpoint. Like, I don't know how defenses are going to shut down this offense. This offense is, has so much potential from a fantasy standpoint. Like if CD lamb had kept falling and made it to Philly, holy shit, I would have been all over that. Like that would have been the number one pick off of any board because you're now that you have the best wide receiver in the draft going to a team that desperately needs a number one wide receiver. Him in Dallas. I don't love that pairing for fantasy. I think in dynasty leagues, totally buy it uh, because I think there's obviously potential for him in seasons to come to have a huge, huge role there, but they just gave Amari Cooper a five-year deal. And I know that probably that's like only really two years of it before they can get out from under it. I just, I'm not in love with lamb's fantasy value for 2020 because of the spot, but I think Dak and uh, is going to have an incredible season uh, and be another top five fantasy quarterback. Okay, I'm pretty pumped. Um, I initially when I saw this, let was, me preface uh, by saying I am pumped. <laughs> yeah, I, so initially when I saw this, I was, I was a little bit uh, dismayed. But uh, so as far as the the Amari Cooper contract goes, um, you guys can double check on over the cap. But I'm fairly certain they can actually get out of it after this season. Oh, okay. Um, and it, like like big time can get out of it. Um, not that I hope that they do so, but something to consider here is Randall Cobb's gone. Um, Jason Witten is gone. Cobb racked up 83 targets last year, and I expect all of those to go mm-hmm. to C.D. Lamb. I think that it's reasonable that he could push for triple-digit targets. Because my expectation here is that he's going to be the primary X receiver. Gallup will stay in his downfield uh, speed receiver oh, and, role and push Cooper and, in the slot, and Cooper's going to get kicked inside. And I think Amari Cooper can still push for like 140 yeah. targets in this. Yeah, I think that there's going to be a serious debate over whether Dak Prescott deserves to be the overall QB one in there with Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Yeah, um, what we're going to need to see to solidify something like that is clarity on whether or not Kellen Moore is given the reins to play calling, and if that's the case. I am all in on this team as, as a, a perennial uh, 11 personnel grouping. They're just going to roll all three receivers out there and light it up. Um, I, I do think that C.D. Lamb's ceiling is much lower than if he had gone to a team that was really lacking in alpha dark. Sure. But I'm, I'm far less bummed than I was when I initially saw the pit go down. I think it was really savvy drafting, and there was a little um, – I think it was uh, Lock on Fora who was talking about Jerry Jones had finally been won over by their uh, quietly developed analytics department and saying, no, just go with the best player available, build on a strength rather than, you know, going to get an edge rusher. Just like, let's just outscore everybody. Can I quickly say something on, on your pitch about Dak being a considered QB one? Yeah. Dak in his career is at, has averaged at least five rushing touchdowns a season. So like, like has always been a fantastic waiver wire pickup that you look at his year end rankings and think what the hell, but he, he has been maddening to own for the past couple of years because he has a drought of games where he just scores nothing, but he's fine. And he really likes to throw to the tight end who they don't have anymore. And so I think with Amari Cooper and CD lamb being able to play inside and interchange there, I think that that's really going to give the offense an element that, uh, that they've been missing. Uh, and uh, like to to note on what you said, uh, Nick, 
Kellen Moore yeah. uh, seems to understand that Ezekiel Elliott can catch the, the football pretty yes. well, yeah. and that you should utilize yeah. him doing that. So a lot of shorter targets, <sighs> which may open things up for Cortland Sutton. Yeah. I just so everyone knows, I hate that I'm speaking positively about the Cowboys, but like this is pretty <laughs> pretty exciting stuff for them. I mean, what's funny is like I think that this team could really take some steps uh, if they just traded Zeke and employed Tony Pollard at their RB one and just. Like nine targets a game. Just let's just do. Let's just do a Zeke. Let's do a Zeke Leonard for that swap. Call it even. No, no, um, we don't need to get worse in the back <laughs> the department in the backfield. Some some numbers for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, number one in net yards gained per pass attempt in 2019. Number one in yards per offensive play. Um, Randall Cobb. Yes, he did have 83 targets, which is a ton that are left on the field now, but Jason Witten also racked up 83 targets somehow. Jesus Christ. Um, so there's a ton of offense to go around here. And um, with the like unexpected retirement of Travis Frederick, the offensive line just isn't like the same ground and pound offensive line that they're just going to bully people anymore. I think they might have a few gaps. So passing is probably going to be their best option going forward. I hope that's what they want to do. As long as McCarthy doesn't get the the reins, I I think that the the sky is the ceiling here. Yeah, this is I wow. One nineteen targets for Amari, one thirteen for Michael Gallup, eighty three for Cobb and Witten, and seventy one for Ezekiel Elliott. Almost six hundred attempts for Dak Prescott. Good lord, Dallas. Uh, How many games did they play? <laughs> like what is this what are we looking it's at almost like they played 18 games it just seems like a lot like that's a that's lot of production from so much oh good god uh nick give us a winner or a loser uh we'll keep it simple to start things off i think uh one of the bigger winners is somebody that we've already talked about on a previous episode hoping to uh wrestle you jimmy's here clark ej moore uh, with the Carolina Panthers going entirely defensive for this draft, and uh, they've just solidified DJ Moore as the alpha dog in the passing game. Um, Joe Brady's offense is going to just be an all-out aerial attack, and yeah, that includes like 120 targets for Christian McCaffrey. Um, and and like the way that Teddy Bridgewater prefers the short to intermediate area of the field, they've got. Uh, Robbie Anderson locking down the deep corners. Uh, Curtis Samuel probably going to do some backfield stuff, but also going deep. DJ Moore is just going to eat in the short to intermediate area and and doubling down as he's going to be a wide receiver one across all formats this year. Yeah, what Carolina did was extremely interesting, and I've wanted Teddy Bridgewater to be a thing since the Vikings jumped up and snagged him in front of the Texans. Uh, Carolina is going to be a huge question mark outside of Christian McCaffrey. But I think Teddy Bridgewater is pretty good. And DJ Moore showed that he's a really good developing wide receiver. So I, I think this is a good like. He he is sort of like the earliest breakout ages ever. He's not developing. He is here. Clark, he is here. He is so good. You're right. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who we're talking about. Are we talking about Teddy Bridgewater? DJ Moore. So, oh, DJ, DJ Moore. Moore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did I hate it on him? Like I didn't. I think it, things got I out think of hand I with liking DJ Moore last year, and I think that I was semi vindicated on that. But I, he's good. I, I was. I, I was. That I, I was tepid about. I was tepid about him in 2020 because yeah. Teddy Bridgewater throws the ball five yards downfield. Oh, that's pretty good for. That's going to be pretty good for DJ Moore, and I don't think DJ Moore is like. I don't know. Anyway, I he's think he can do short field. and long stuff. Yeah. Um. 
Cool. All right. Uh, before we move on, let's take a quick ad break. <laughs> you ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we're back. Got more winners and losers for you. Jordan, give us a we'll, – we'll start rattling through these a little quicker. Jordan, give us a, another winner or loser. Uh, another winner, I'm going to go with Michael Pittman Jr. Um, for the Indy and Apples Colts. Um, I think he is, especially with Philip Rivers in the later stages of his career, he's a big-bodied wide receiver with pretty sure hands. Um, so it's, it's nice to have a guy who has a pretty decent catch radius with – a quarterback who threw 20 touchdowns and 17 picks last year or something like that, or it might've been 20 picks and 23 touchdowns. I can't remember, but it was a lot of picks. Um, so having a guy like that on the field is kind of a compliment to um, T.Y. Hilton, who's still around. Uh, and just in terms of opportunity, I'm sure he'll fight a little bit with uh, Paris Campbell. Um, is that Marcus Johnson guy still there? Um, I don't know. They let Eric Ebron walk away too. So um, I'm, I'm not, I'm pretty excited for Michael Pittman just being able to get a chance right away and maybe even be a little bit better of a like Mike Williams type player for Philip Rivers. My entire Devin Funches hype train from last year has now been rebranded as the uh, Pittman hype train because I think that it's going to fill the exact same role and the Colts have been looking for a number two wide receiver along T Y Hilton. T Y Hilton also hasn't had the best hit injury track record recently. If Pittman can stay healthy the, for the, for a full season, I think that he has a great chance to, to produce, uh, to produce, you know, wide receiver two numbers in, in terms of fantasy. And I think he fell into a, a perfect spot because we know Philip rivers at this day and age loves to just kind of throw the ball up for grabs. And it's helpful to have a guy who's six, four. Yeah, I won't be surprised if he ends up kind of producing like a tight end, just sort of as being their their designated red zone threat. I think the the also the, the Mike Williams comp is is pretty fair. Um, I I expect Ferris Campbell to take kind of a big step, and I think he yeah. I mean, I, this might be a bit of an evenly spread out target share between the three uh, starting receivers with Campbell, T. Y. Hilton, and, and Pittman. But yeah, I, th- I think it was a pretty decent landing spot. And if the Dallas Cowboys, 2018 Dallas Cowboys can tell us anything, everyone can get triple-digit targets and we'll still be fine. <laughs> Clark, what about a winner or a loser from you? Uh, so this is a pretty obvious one from a team that had some of the most draft capital in the draft. Uh, I really like what the Dolphins did, uh, getting 
Tua. I was huge on him. Uh, I was looking up some things just to, you know, I had already thought of what my point was going to be. Clark just, just flexing the old research muscles. Founding, found some numbers that supported what I already thought. Uh, <laughs> so in his sophomore year, before his injury, 3,966 yards passing, uh, 11.2 or, or 12.8 yards an attempt, air yards per attempt, I think that's what that is. Uh, 43 touchdowns and six interceptions. Uh, I think Tua is just fantastic. The only concern with him is an injury concern, and that's kind of the biggest concern of all because no matter who you get, no matter how good you are, if you can't stay on the field, then you're never going to see it. But I like that they were bold and that they went with Tua here. Uh, they picked up a tackle, Austin Jackson, that uh, went a little higher at, I think, their second first-round pick around 17 than what he was projected as. Uh, but one little nugget I saw is that he is 20 years old and people were projecting him to be a first round or early second round pick. So getting someone at that age that's performed so well uh, at a pretty big school USC, I think is really good for them. Um, really, really excited for the Dolphins being fun this year. I think I kind of missed out on the Cardinals being fun last year because I just got tired of everybody saying how great Kyler Murray was going to be. I've decided not to do that this year and get excited about the Dolphins. I think that they're going to be good. They proved to be pretty scrappy last year. And this year, uh, I think they've moved a lot of talent onto that team. So it'll be interesting to see how far they can go. Yeah, this is this is going to be a really fun team to watch. And uh, one guy that I just want to single out that I think is a huge winner is Preston Williams. Uh, I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong here, they didn't draft any wide receivers, which is a massive vote of confidence for both Preston Williams and Devontae Parker, obviously. I think Parker is, like locked in wide receiver one uh, in fantasy top 12 option. Um, but Preston Williams looked so good in the time that he was on the field before he got hurt last year. And I'm excited about him as like a high end flex or wide receiver too. Uh, Mike Gesicki, he, he's uh, I think they're figuring out how to use him. It's just like the new Orleans Saints, Jimmy Graham, or, you know, stop trying to make a play tight end, put him out, line him up as a wide receiver most of the time. And I think that he'll, he'll take a leap in the receiving game too. But like, I am really excited for Preston Williams. And I think um, I, I'm excited for, for Tua as well. I think that they put on one of the best smoke screens I've ever seen uh, in the lead up to the draft. But I think I kind of want some Ryan Fitzpatrick, just devil make hair balls flying all over the field to, to the two wide receivers for yeah. this year. Like, Let's let Tua just Which they might do because of the fact, like, who knows what this season is going to be given, like, the fact that there is COVID and that we're all kind of temporarily shut down. Like, who knows what who knows what the NFL season is going to be? It could be a shortened season. It could not happen. So I wouldn't be surprised if Miami is like, look, this season is fucking weird. Let's just ride with Fitzpatrick, give Tua a whole year to, like, get acclimated to the NFL, get everything fully healthy, fully comfortable. He can take hits in practice or, or take, you know, whatever, but not risk the franchise on a season that's – who knows what's going to happen in it and is already going to be weird from the get-go. I, uh, yeah. Oh. yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, go, assuming go the season starts on time, uh, would – it? it seems odd to say that the number five pick not playing immediately would yeah. be a bit of a um, – wouldn't be a bit of a surprise, but would it be horrible to play Fitzpatrick, get his three amazing games out of him? Right. And then when he has meltdown game, well then, okay, now it's time for, for Tua to come in. Um, Fitzpatrick's pretty good. You know, you can't stick around in the NFL for that long uh, without having some talent. Now I'm not saying he's like a top 10 
QB of his era or anything like that, but he's, he's fairly good. Like if I was a Bears fan, I'd much rather have Ryan Fitzpatrick than anything else they have on their roster. And there's like a dozen other teams out there that you can say that for, but uh, Just how many, how many digs can we get in at the Bears quarterback position? Well, yeah, Bears. <laughs> but um, I think that Ryan, Fitz, Ryan Fitzpatrick oh, is sort of a special uh, kind of uh, mentor for, for aspiring quarterbacks because like Russell Wilson always talks about, you have to have amnesia to play the quarterback position. Like you, you have to immediately forget when you screw up. And and Wilson obviously was able to do that. You know, throwing the pick against the pass in the Super Bowl had to, like that. That could have ruined a lot of careers. Like, well, he hasn't made it I back to the Super Bowl, so his career is pretty much okay. Yeah, ruined. no, that's that's you're you're right, you're right, you're right. Um, <laughs> and so anyway, I, I think that the way that Ryan Fitzpatrick is like <laughs> another interception, it just doesn't matter to him. I think that that can be a uh, a special kind of mentality to, to put onto a young developing player. And as far as like when he starts, the Dolphins have shown that they are a, a highly intelligent team. They are willing to tear the whole thing down and start it over. I think they've shown repeatedly they're willing to make the right decision, even if the right decision is a hard one. So I don't think that they're going to roll through out there until they need to. I don't think there's going to be any like, we put this amount of draft capital into him. He needs to get on the field. And why wouldn't you just see how the offensive line is going to go? Yeah. Because like, you're not going to be able to see it for the first preseason games. Like that's not going to work. Like, yeah. so lots of good positives for letting Fitzpatrick figure sure, that out. For the let's first make sure Fitzpatrick years. takes like the couple of five blindside hits before. Uh, before I, Cause they may be good. Them. They invested a lot in their offensive line. They're not going to be fantastic. They may be okay. Uh, but, but it could be real bad too. So I no, let someone else have the wheel <laughs> after the brakes have been changed. Let's make sure everything's okay. Nice Clark. Good ref. Good car ref, bro. That's it. That's 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 for all our car people out there. Uh, a clear winner for me in terms of fantasy is, and this is no secret to anyone. I put out my uh, top forty rookie rankings for redraft leagues, and he's clearly my number one guy. Clyde Edwards Hilar is just going to do fucking wonders in Kansas City under Andy Reid. Uh, Andy Reid has already come out and said that he reminds him of Brian Westbrook which should just get everyone way too hyped. Uh, but this is a guy who was productive at LSU, who I've watched some tape on him now. And good Lord, his jump cut is mind-boggling. It is incredible how quickly he, he, he can go from one, like, from one side to the, to the next uh, in an instant. And he's productive in the passing game. You know that the Chiefs, any re can take any running back, really, and make them fantasy viable. Uh, and I think that, even still, we've seen success in that backfield. We haven't seen a clear number one guy. Damian Williams is not that guy. All of my, uh, all my, um, Clark, who am I trying to think of? Darwin Thompson. Darwin Thompson. All my Darwin Thompson dynasty shares are now dead, which is terrible. Well, hold on. Well, they're on life support. Uh, Don't sell it for nothing. Yeah, I mean, they're, <laughs> they're not doing great. Yeah. Uh, but Clyde edwards Hillard has a fast track to the starting gig clearly they are super hyped to get him i know i think i saw patrick mahomes like requested that they draft him basically he's falling into a perfect situation in an offense that's going to put points up and he's the perfect back for that he is going to be fantasy gold uh this year i like it because of the andy reed comments of he reminds me of brian Westbrook. uh it is an absolute luxury pick from a super bowl winning team that uh could have really used defense and did try to pick up some pieces. But uh, again, building on a strength of we're just going to score 50 and we bet you that you can only get 35 or 40. I like that. That's interesting football. Uh, defensive powerhouse teams are interesting too, but uh, 
Chiefs probably going to be pretty good this year. The only worry in Kansas City is the potentially crowded backfield, and I going to have to spend some time working on this name off the podcast because I can't pronounce it right. Uh, but he's a he's a little dude, and little dudes have made it mm, and been just fine in the NFL. And uh, Andy Reid has used running backs in ways that doesn't get them absolutely killed. So that may not be a concern. I just feel like we're already approaching like, so is he the 106 or the 107 in redraft <laughs> leagues? Because people are excited, and they should yeah. be. The Kansas City running back is an exciting position, but yeah, good pick and an exciting pick, especially for fans. He's a he's fans. a top thirty, top forty guy in my opinion. I don't think that he should be going anywhere near the first round. I mean, how couldn't you take him in like the late second? Just spitballing like the Chiefs presumed starting number one running back. Like if, if just tell me who it is, and I'll I will take a second round shot on that person. Unless it's yeah, uh, I, Williams, who I unless it's Damian Williams, and we year. avoid the shit out of him. Uh, I was just going to bring him up because I was like, I think in some instances people might have a little bit of whiplash from uh, picking him so early just because he was the Chiefs running back. Um, My concern with good old CEH, maybe it's better. Call them that. That's good. Is that how you you Um, say it? CHE, we should put those around. Um, Yeah. But. I was a little bit concerned on where he would go and what would be the best fit for him. Cause I believe he um, had like three yards per rush before contact at LSU. So he benefited quite a sure. bit from having a really talented team, but guess what? He goes to a, an incredibly talented team <laughs> in Kansas city. So um, like Clark alluded to, they um, Andy Reed has done a good job of keeping running backs pretty clean. So I wouldn't worry too much about him it's it's a matter of uh you know how much you believe you got to think that with even though it's a luxury pick it's a first round running back so you just kind of got to go like well they picked him for a reason so i hope they use him for a reason so i was pretty high on clyde edward i will put my pronunciation against yours pete i believe it's clyde edwards hilaire but like hilarious mm-hmm. there you go all right well, we'll um, just call him Bel Air. Well, if we the just call them Bel Air, the oh, there's is a really nickname. Good. The H is the always soft, isn't it? Like Elier or something. Am I? Dude, is that, that too close too. to the border for everyone? So, um, Prince of Hell yeah, Air. Done. Uh, Josh Erdmeyer, who I referenced earlier, has been just destroying him as M E A, just calling him Meh because running backs don't matter. But so I think that this is as good, good of a fit as. Uh, thank, you, thank you on behalf of Hermsmeyer. Um, I think that th- this is almost as good of a fit as there could be. I think that the Bucks would have been better. I'm not willing to say he's getting the starting gig over Damian Williams. Um, I think that there will be a committee. I think that Damian Williams will start the season as the 1A. And I think that Edward Hilaire has a good shot at, at taking the 1A by the end of the year. But I am probably going to be zagging on this one and depending I'm speculating on what their ADPs will be. And I think that you'll be able to get Damian Williams a bit later. And I'm probably going to take him roll with him for six weeks and then figure it out. I really like the spot, but I, I don't think that he is just going to immediately unseat uh, uh, Damian Williams because if anything, what you have to be able to do when you're playing in an offense like this is pass protect the quarterback. 
his passing game chops. Five foot eight. That's hard to do. So he's he's five seven. I think two oh seven. And I'm not worried about that, really. But you I, don't like, have to, though. You just leak okay. out, and then you're the outlet. Andy Reid yeah. has not spent a whole lot of time worrying about protecting the quarterback. His protecting the quarterback is let's get seven receivers out there. I know that's illegal, but let's do that. That's and fair. Throw it to <laughs> that's let's fair. break the I, rules. I think he's going to have to earn it. And now I think that I, I agree completely. Perfect yeah. fit. I think he's like this is a perfect fit, but I I do think that Damian Williams is going to be more of a factor. Um, and that these guys might be like uh, twenty, what seventeen combo of of like Rex Burkhead and James White, or you know, mm-hmm. Deion Lewis too, and, and during that time frame, like where both of these these two are like viable flex plays every week, and one of them's going to have a better. The one of them will stand out more as a rusher. One is a pass catcher. They'll both catch passes, but we'll be able to figure yeah. out which defense, which one will have better reach. Anyway, I, I also do just want to say, if this is true that, that they let Patrick Mahomes make their first pick, you guys, that's a bad process. The result might end up being okay, but that's a really bad process. And Andy Reid, please don't do that bullshit again. Don't let your quarterback be like, I'm going to have this player. That is <sighs> not good team building. Hey, man, it, uh, it, oh my God! We didn't even touch on this during the news. Whew! Terrible job by me. Gronk's back in football, talking about but talking about uh, quarterbacks dragging players to their team. Uh, I know Clark's excited to draft him in the first round. Uh. <laughs> Clark is trying to play this off that he won't do it, but he is really nervous. He's going to do it. <laughs> okay, maybe end of the first round. Maybe. <laughs> This is how it starts. Clark is so nervous. It's okay. Uh, it, it comes back. So, you know, <laughs> just get your guy. <laughs> yeah. Get your man. Uh, Nick, give us a winner or a loser. Okay. A brief news note. I think I, I might be more pumped than as far as trades go. Trent Williams going to the, the 49ers. 49ers. That is a sick match. Yeah. Holy crap. Well, That's we all amazing. we all know that you're participating in Jordan's uh offensive line fantasy league where you get all kinds of fantasy points for cut blocks and pancakes and so Trent Williams rapidly ascending to a 101 pick. So back in the day in 2002, I mentioned this on the last show, NFL Street, it was uh, a formulative experience for me and you could draft offensive linemen. You you could draft any player and put them in any position with seven man offenses. My buddies and I would play this. We it's really bad. We called it fats, and you were only allowed to draft fat offensive linemen, and you had to play a full game with only the offensive linemen. Anyway, good way to bet a dollar and waste an afternoon. Anyway, um, what, what did you ask me? What, what was my next <laughs> my next player to talk about? Um, uh, it is pulling my notes here. We'll save the best for last. Uh, number two is Keyshawn Vaughn, the uh, who I will just anoint as the. Uh, lead running back in the Bucs backfield. Ronald Jones is still going to get some some rushing work because he's a decent rusher. He just, for a million different reasons, was compared to Jamal Charles, and it was, that was a terrible friggin' comp. Um, he can't catch passes, and he doesn't work hard in the offseason, and Tom Brady is not going to let Bruce Arians line up a running back that doesn't pass for tech, and I, that is uh, perhaps – Clark, it was worthwhile for you to point out that, that a lot of Andy Reid's running back pass protection is just to leak out to the side. The back point for, for Tom Brady does have to go chip blockers. Yep. And Jones hasn't been, been able to do anything in the passing game, whether that's blocking or, or uh, pass catching. Dereg and Wale fizzled out last year, too. Um, 
I think Keyshawn Vaughn, he's, he's a fine athlete. He's not special, but he's fine. He's going to step into like 80 targets. And if you're in a half point PPR or full point PPR league, which hopefully you are, uh, he he's immediate flex or RB2 value. And uh, you know, assuming he doesn't like blow it, this job to. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I really like that. And the only thing that would scare me about something like that is a guy like Lamar Miller or some other uh, super uh, veteran mm. <laughs> running back who you know is just going to go there because they're confident he can learn the playbook and not get Tom Brady killed. That's the only thing I would be on the lookout for. But the backs, uh, the running back position in Tampa Bay has been kind of a dearth of talent lately. And that is not going to be the case. Like sometimes free agents go to a team and everyone gets really excited about it and it is a big flop. And I think that is 100% not going to happen with Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay already had a very prolific offense. So he may not best that, but they're going to be a much better team. And this is going to look like a Tom Brady team. They may not win the Super Bowl, but so, so the things that we saw in new England are, we're going to see in Tampa Bay. And so anyone that can fall across the goal line 13 times could have fantasy relevance. Uh, so super exciting pick by Tampa Bay. And Nick, I agree with you. He's going to be on the list. Mm, definitely. All right. We got one more round. We're going around the horn and to keep things lickety split, I have a timer and we're going to, you're allowed one minute at most to make your pitch about why this person's a winner or a loser. So be concise. Jordan, we're starting with you. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your final winner or loser? Clock starts. Uh, I need probably less than one minute. Uh, my guy who didn't land in an optimal position, I won't call him a loser, is uh, Zach Moss. Um, just because I thought he had a real opportunity to go somewhere and be a potential starter to a team that was actually running back needy. And the Buffalo Bills are not exactly that. They drafted a rookie running back just last year, Devin Singletary, who ended up taking over for the um, the illustrious, the tremendous Frank Gore. Uh, and I think he's still going to be in that position. And they still have TJ Yeldon on the depth chart as well. Um, not quite as prolific as the starter, but, I mean, he's been there. He knows the offense. He'll probably get first crack at backup running back. Um, so uh, Zach Moss, he's a little bit buried, and that's unfortunate for him. Eight seconds left, Jordan. Well done. I thought you were going to go over a minute with all the adjectives you were laying on Frank Gore. <laughs> but I could have gone 10 minutes on Frank Gore. <laughs> Clark, one minute. Winner or loser? Uh, so I only did two today and <laughs> just did winners. Uh, but I'll, I'll do a loser. And oh. this is, you know, this is beating the dead and buried horse. But horse. The, the Packers spending that draft capital on a quarterback is baffling. So I'll just leave it at that. We already talked about it. I, that just is dumb that is just really dumb for real can i steal the extra 30 seconds from him yes i will cede my 30 seconds to the gentleman from washington so i want to expand on that i think that what's happened here is that mark murphy has uh officially taken the power from uh, brian gutekunst because gutekunst's poster uh his presser after day two is basically like well you know matt lafleur he just wants to tie everything to the running game and build on the running game as though the running game leads to efficiency and play action or whatever else it's going to grind him down in the third quarter whatever things that i want our listeners to do go google uh ben baldwin title of the article rushing success and play action passing go educate yourself on that go check out josh trumsmeyer's article uh can nfl coaches overuse uh 
play action. It basically comes down to running doesn't do anything. It doesn't lead to better play action. It doesn't lead to better passing in, in any means. These passing and play action exist as their own entity. So this idea that Matt LaFleur is expressing here where he's going to build up this offense by creating a strong running game shows that he is uneducated in these matters. The winner, though, because this is a winner section, is Devontae Adams. Because this team is going to ratchet down Aaron Rodgers' passing attempts. And only, he's, he's very similar to Tom Brady. They're two angry quarterbacks who will only throw the ball to someone who they trust. If they do not trust this person, they're not going to throw the ball to him. Devontae Adams is going over 10 targets a game, and I think he could push Michael Thomas for being the overall wide receiver one. I don't think anybody else in this offense outside of Aaron Jones is going to really be worth owning. Uh well over 30 seconds, Nick, but point well made. It was my 30 <laughs> seconds, though. So oh, That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. At some point, we're, we're going to have a discussion, Nicholas. We're going to have an off-season podcast where we discuss how uh, building an offense around the run game isn't is, makes you stupid, but Kyle Shanahan building an offense around a run game is genius. But we'll say that another <laughs> time. He, yeah, he built his run wanna... game. Sorry, he built his offense on the play-action game, I would argue. If you want to understand how the LaFleur offense is looking and how he wants it to look, you just have to study the San Francisco offense because it's they're cut from the same cloth. All right, one minute for me. And when you have Jimmy Garoppolo as your quarterback, that makes sense. But when you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, you should not do the same thing. But we're all still we're saving this for another podcast, you guys. Which he showed he can't. He doesn't know what he's doing. All right, one minute for me. God damn it. All Go Ravens. Patrick Queen, good good pick. <laughs> that's a great that's a great pick. Uh, all right, 55 seconds for me because I already started the clock like an idiot. Uh, winner, Chase Claypool going to the Steelers because I know people like to think that there are other people in his way. It's basically Juju Smith-Schuster and they needed another wide receiver. Chase Claypool is 6'4", runs uh, 4'2", or whatever crazy insane shit he posted at the Combine. But it's also just, this is a, this feels very Steelers-y to me where they're able to just like magically pull wide receivers out of a hat and getting someone with this physical talent at this size, I think is going to be, I think he's going to be a flex tight end guy. I don't know what their exact role is for him, but I think he's going to be someone who comes in and is able to produce season one. He's a dynasty stash IMO. So they, Sorry. they have announced him as a wide receiver. He, he's not playing a uh, tight end. And, and yeah. what he's able to do is insane. Six, four, 238, 40 and a half inch vertical. 10-6 broad jump, um, 4-2-40, not the back there, 40, but 1-5-6-10. That's 10-yard. That, that's, that's awesome. Um, he, I, I do think that Deontay Johnson is the real deal on the outside. I think Claypool and Johnson are going to bookend, which allows Juju And put Juju in the slot. Inside. And we're getting back to Juju with 130 plot yeah. targets. Yeah, I just, I just, I think I just trust the Steelers. Steelers. The Steelers have shown time and time again that they can take like any wide receiver and suddenly turn them into a hot commodity. So with someone with that physical attributes... I'm all in. Uh, Nick, you have one minute for your final uh, winner or loser. Oh, no. Pete, we, we misunderstood here, baby. That was it. My oh, yeah. Devontae was Adams was your winner. Packers and talking about Devontae oh, Adams. fuck. Yeah, great. I just wanted to add Clark's thing on there. Look we can that. talk about my love for Juju Smith-Schuster this year. Yeah, Ooh, that. That's a <laughs> twist. Now Clark the Burns. Time. Hit it. You got yeah. one minute. Go. Oh, no, I just I, I said all last year that, that he's very good. And my hypothesis of why he wasn't going to be like the number four wide receiver that he was being uh, purported to be by some people who got way out of hand. Uh, 
I just said that that wasn't going to happen because it's his first year as the number one. Uh, some things happen that totally were not my hypothesis at all that would make the end look as though I was correct, but I wasn't. Like, there were injuries, and he got hurt, and so, like, he's just really, really good. And I think I got bailed out last year by uh, Duck Rogers or whatever playing for <laughs> a few Duck games, so it looked as though I was right. I'm really excited for Juju this year. Headline reads, man who accurately predicts Juju's descent in 2018 calls for Juju's ascension in 2020, or 2019, excuse me. I pulled a Roger Goodell and didn't remember years. Good tight headline, Pete. Thank you. Thank you, Clark. Thank you. I got to give you the the credit you deserve. All right. Well, there you go. That's the podcast, everyone. Uh, Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. We are there. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. You can follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. And Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you next week. Until then. Peace.